What's up, guys? This is Jehoshaphat. Thanks for tuning in. We love you all so much from our local to our global community, all that call the Upper Room family. We love you guys. The last couple of weeks have been a time of coming together and prophetically mapping our history with God, going over all the Lord has done from our days in Oaklawn to now the design district and now where he's taking us into the Cedars. We have seen the Lord's hand, how the presence of God has transformed lives, and we won't stop until we see it happen in every city, in every state, and in every nation. We want the presence of God to come and dwell amongst us. So join us. Listen to this podcast today of Michael preaching on Isaiah 55, and join us next week for 820, our time to come together as a community locally and globally to pledge and bring forth our sacrificial offering to say, Lord, come and build a resting place. Stay tuned. We love you guys. Join us on 820. Can we give it up for them a little more than that? Thank you, guys. Oscar, thank you, bud. Um, if you have your Bibles, it would be in Isaiah 55. Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> if you're visiting with us, we're um, gearing up for August 20th, which is next Sunday. Uh, it's on our advanced Sunday, which is a time where we as a community are going to bring our offerings um, for this new property. The Lord has led us to 1910 Wall Street, which is just south of downtown in the Cedars neighborhood. And um, we have quite a, a story that's led us to this moment. And uh, I've been um, communicating with our team, our history. I know Truman last week walked us down memory lane. We had pictures and videos of just our beginning. And I'm going to do a little more of the same today. Uh, we don't take time often to look back at where we've been. But oftentimes when we look back at where we've been, um, it gives us a vision for where the Lord is taking us. Uh, your history with God uh, actually sets the course for your future. When you look back at his faithfulness, you see his fingerprints. Um, it builds your faith for where he's taking you and where, uh, where you're heading. And so I've been leaning into our history um, with the Lord in order uh, to, to get momentum for where he's taking us. It's kind of like a swing. You pull back and he releases us uh, into the future. And so I feel like we're in this two weekends where the Lord's really pulling us back to revisit uh, what he's taking us through in order to give us faith for where we're heading because we're going to need faith to get from where we're at to where we're going. Uh, as a leader, I don't know if I felt this vulnerable leading this body, if I'm honest with you, uh, with where the Lord is taking us from my purview and what I see, um, it is only by faith that we're gonna get from here to there from the demographic that he's calling us to, to the building that he's calling us into, uh, to some of the needs in this neighborhood. I know that it's only by faith that we're going to get there and praise God for that. Yeah. Praise God that it's not by calculations and reasonings, by my strength, by your strength, by our strength, but it's by his strength and his grace that we're going to get to where uh, he's called us to go. And so I've heard a story this week um, that I want to share with you. It's about some Melanesian uh, tribal natives, which the Melanesian islands are near the Fiji Islands in the South Pacific. And in World War II, uh, the British Army and the American Army occupied one of their islands. And they watched these soldiers uh, build runways, uh, control towers, 
and uh, all that they needed to, 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 to create these airstrips. And once it was completed, these airplanes flew in and these airplanes carried cargo that had food, had uh, vehicles, building supplies. And these Melanesians watched these two armies build the runways and these planes land and they built infrastructure. Well, after the war, they left. And on their main island, they decided they were gonna do the same thing. They decided that they were gonna make runways, which they didn't have uh, the resources that the armies did, so their runways were actually made of dirt. They made mud hut towers. Uh, Instead of having actual uh, earphones for the controllers, they made coconut shells and put them on their ears. And they did all that they knew to do in order to build infrastructure for the cargo and the planes to come. Well, guess what? They never showed up. (laughs) Why didn't they show up? Because they didn't have a relationship with those that were in the air. They thought they had executed the plan perfectly. And as the story goes, it's a true story, it was said that they manned those runways for 10 years waiting for airplanes to come. Just they didn't know any better. And sometimes I feel like the commander of a Melanesian uh, army. <laughs> meaning, meaning we have these plans and we've been employing uh, strategies to build structures. And I am convicted of this, is that structure has to be unto substance. That unless the Lord is building this, we're laboring in vain. Unless the Lord builds this, it's worthless. It's useless. It's mud hut, control towers, and (laughs) dirt runways. But I am convinced in our history with God that what seems to be, you know, coconut earphones and mud hut towers, the Lord is sending his resources. The Lord is sending us into, uh, to fulfill his purposes. And so um, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse six, it says this, it's similar to uh, that analogy. It's of Jesus. It said, a body you've prepared for me. Speaking of Jesus's body, but that body was prepared in order to fulfill your will, O God. There was a structure that Jesus embodied and it was unto the glory and the purposes of God. And I think that's true of us as individually, but I also think it's true of us collectively, that we as a body have been built. God is doing something in our midst and it is to accomplish the will of God. It is to accomplish the will of God in Dallas, Texas. It is to accomplish the will of God in 2023. I believe he's raising up the upper room to do something significant for his glory. Let me say that again. I believe the upper room is on track to do something that only the Lord could orchestrate, only the Lord could put together. There's people in this room, there's storylines that are converging. There are needs arising in our nation. And I think God is looking for people that will simply respond to his voice, simply respond to his voice. It's a little yes to his big yes that sets us up to do the impossible. And we have a track record with the Lord. We have seen the Lord. We have seen the fingerprints of God on this story. Like I I know that I know that I know that we didn't get here out of, for any other reason, but the Lord's leadership. It wasn't my leadership. It wasn't our elders leadership. It was submitting to his 
leadership. And that was kind of the walk through memory lane uh, last week, the timeline that Truman laid out. I love, I love the story. I just wanted to, to again, um, share some of the things that Truman shared, but it was September of 2007 that I sent that email to some friends that was a blueprint about a new kind of community in the city of Dallas out of Mark 14 that spoke of an upper room in the city. I met uh, a business leader three years later who had a room that he called an upper room. He wanted to host prayer and worship. And so April of 2010, uh, we had our first Passover gathering. We thought we would go to Pentecost, which was a seven week period. Community supernaturally kind of emerged. We saw several miracles in those first seven weeks. I remember we saw, I'm almost, uh, I know of at least two, if not three deaf ears. You were a part of that season, Peter, but we saw, I know at least two deaf ears, if not three deaf ears, people that could not hear the Lord popped open their ears in that room. It was some of the most notable miracles I had ever seen. And Although I wouldn't have chosen this place, this space, even the time we were meeting, we felt like there was a grace on these uh, meetings over the seven weeks that we were to press through the summer. Uh, The Lindsay family came, um, which we've shared our history there with Terry Lindsay and Robin Lindsay and and the Lindsay family. Um, There's uh, nine of them when they came into the building and we were so small that when a family of nine shows up, you realize it, like your church almost doubles. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember Terry just, uh, he's about 6'5", he's a taller man, 6'4", just platinum head of hair. And he looked at me and he said, God is doing something in this room. And me and my family are gonna sign up. Uh, later on, Jane and Truman Spring moved down into Oak Lawn. That's when we adopted our prayer hours. Um, it was just a, a very, very sovereign thing that he began doing. And then in the spring of 2001, uh, Bob Hazlett, whom I didn't know at the time, he's now a, a friend, but he gave us this word that the upper room was going to make church not a dirty word anymore, specifically for young people. Uh, he was going to renew people's understanding and perspective of this word, uh, the church. And then um, through that word, he said, there's going to be an upper room. There's going to be one in Denver, Phoenix, Seattle, mentioned some other cities. And so we went and planted Upper Room Denver with several families in 2014. Uh, We found this building in uh, 16, which this was a paintball facility that became a house of prayer. Uh, We have prayed in this room. I did the math this week. We have prayed in this room uh, just under 50,000 hours. Think about that. There's been live worship and prayer in this room for uh, over the last however many years, what is that, four, seven, seven years or so in this room, 50,000 hours of prayer and worship. I'm not saying that for any other reason, but just to look at what God has done. Um, uh, We got media and the the media journey in 2016. Um, The Lord, I don't think we really spoke too, too much about this last Sunday morning, but uh, for the first seven or so years, we didn't have any media. We didn't do podcasts, didn't have a YouTube channel. Um, the Lord was really clear that uh, his testimony would mark this house. You don't need to promote what I'm doing. What I'm doing is sufficient. And so the word of my testimony will spread throughout the city. And um, Upper Room kind of became uh, the best kept secret, I think, in these parts. And it was like a speakeasy for church. You had to know someone to get in. You had to know the knock. And like, people were like, can you just like get a website so that we know where to go? And, um, we ended up just putting a Google map with our prayer hours, but that was it. 
And then in, in 2016, uh, Brian Guerin had a word that the Lord was putting an HDMI cable in his mouth. And uh, the Lord was ready to speak through media and he was gonna use Upper Room to do that. And so I said, Lord, well, what's that gonna look like? Like you've said no media for so long. So if you're speaking to us about media today, what, what would that look like? And I was reading Acts 20 and I love this story. It's such an odd story and it gives me great encouragement as a preacher because Paul was preaching into the wee hours of the night. So this was around midnight and uh, he was on the third story of a room. It actually says it was an upper room, third story room. And um, Eutychus was this young man that was sitting on the window seal. And as Paul just keeps preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching, Eutychus not only falls asleep, which I've seen some of you fall asleep in here. And I'm grateful that you better be grateful that this isn't on the third floor and you're not sitting by a window seal because Eutychus fell asleep at the window seal and he falls out of that church gathering and he dies. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, how did Paul not just go, oh my gosh, I, I preached too long. Like, I should have stopped. Shouldn't I have noticed that this young man was falling asleep? But Paul runs downstairs, lays on top of him, raises him from the dead, comes up, feeds him, and I guarantee you, Eutychus listened to Paul after that. <laughs> I just think it's such an odd story. I had this youth band when I was a youth pastor, and they're like, we need a good name, and I was like, let's call it Eutychus. <laughs> it's a great youth band. It was a terrible band, but I thought it was a cool name. Anyways, I saw... I saw, this is what's happening culturally. There are so many young people that are falling asleep in church and they're falling out of the church window seal into culture. That's what I think these are. It's the window of culture. And I saw all these Eutychuses that had fallen out of church and were dying. And I saw the Lord with uh, an IV and he was... Uh, wheeling this IV in and there was this dying millennial and he put the IV in and he turned it on and on the IV bag was the upper room logo and I felt the Holy Spirit say I want you to drip moments of your culture into the Eutychuses into those that have fallen out of the church and I'm going to resurrect them and so we got a YouTube channel in 2017 and like our second or third one was precious Abby Gamboa now it was Abby Simmons at the time singing um I forgot the name of the song, uh, Trimble, that was it, Trimble. And it like went viral. And, uh, and most of you know what's happened with uh, YouTube. Uh, I think our second album, which we didn't have a label at the time, we were trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we embrace all of this? Uh, but I remember it was so interesting, Little Upper Room, when my friend uh, called me, who was um, astute in the industry, and he said, have you, have you seen what Upper Room's released it. It was like our second moments album. I was like, no. He's like, you guys just knocked off Kanye West. I was like, Kanye West, what are you talking about? He goes, his King Jesus has been number one in the Christian albums. I was like, I didn't know Kanye <laughs> fit into that demographic, <laughs> much less upper room, you know, like what's up. But it was just only for like a day or two. Did we knock him off? But I just thought about only God, only God could do that. Only the winds of heaven could do that. And, um, and so the, 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 the storyline in 
2018, 19 was we needed space. And just like we needed space at 2727, we began looking high and low. And uh, forgive me if you've heard this story too many times, but this is the last time I'll probably share it for some time in uh, prep for next week. But uh, Larissa and I went to Israel in 2020. And um, it was just so marking. How many of you have been to Israel? Okay, if you haven't, we're planning a trip. We want to take Upper Room to Israel. Um, we hope it's next year. In the fall sometime, we'll get some dates to you. I think we're going to announce those at the end of the year. But let's go as a family to Israel. There's nothing like going to the Holy Land. I used to like think people that were passionate about Israel are a little off. You know, like It's like it's just super super passionate about it. And uh, next thing you know, you know, you have a prayer shawl and a shofar that you're going into prayer meetings with. But uh, I became one of those people because I walked the land and I saw where Jesus walked and where Jesus taught. And, uh, you know, you can't deconstruct the Holy Land when you see it, when you touch it, when you look at what's happening in Jerusalem and just the spiritual tension that's there. When you go to the Western Wall, you know something holy is present in Jerusalem. And when I came back from that first trip from uh, Israel, uh, I felt like the Lord well, I get, had a dream stateside first night back, had this dream. And the, the interpretation of the dream was you've got to get your young worship leaders uh, to the Holy Land. You've got to get them rooted in the land. And so eight weeks later, I went back with, uh, with a handful of them and we met my friend, Rabbi Jason. And I was uh, having lunch there in the Jewish quarters and I met a man who uh, was from Dallas. Never met him before, no reason I should have met him other than I just happened to run into Rabbi Jason and we were sitting across from one another. Uh, this man uh, lived in the design district, which is where you're at right now, which no one lives in the design district. Does anyone live in the design district in this room? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a couple. What's up? <laughs> Thanks for letting us come to your neighborhood. <laughs> Anyways, he said, I'm from the design district. And I was like, what? I said, I'm a pastor there. I said, what do you do? He said, commercial real estate. And, uh, and I said, man, we need a building. <clears throat> We've been looking high and low for three years for a building. And I remember he looked up and paused. He pointed to me and he said, I, I have a building for you. I think I just purchased it. And so we came back after quarantine. I met up with Jared and I walked uh, the property at 1910 Wall Street. And uh, we purchased this property. He gives a million dollar discount on the land, which is amazing. And uh, I... I I, I uh, met Jared and the Lord, the Lord said this. He said, um, when you throw yourself into my purposes, uh, you actually discover uh, what I have in store for you. Like being in Jerusalem, he wanted, us to, sh he wanted to show me that uh, this story is under that one. And, um, and so this week, I, we have a video to share with you. Uh, this week we had a beam signing um, at our new property. And so this will be kind of an overview of the new property as well as um, where we're heading. There we go. So this is the beam signing. We, uh, we got in the sanctuary, worshiped with the elders and staff. And we signed the beam. Uh, hopefully in the next 
couple of months, we're going to have a worship night over there and uh, give you the opportunity to sign the same beam. But And then after this, I believe that there's animations. There's the, the overview, and you can see where it is in the city. Super cool, huh? Yeah. So, and, and I... I think I've mentioned as well about the design team that's designing it. Um, Brian Chuby, who couldn't be here this week, he'll be here next week, but is our architect. Um, and just a remarkable story there as well uh, about how the Lord brought his best uh, to help us get into um, this property. So this morning, I, I wanna walk us through Isaiah 55. If you have your Bibles, um, Isaiah 55 is our text. And... <clears throat> I was, I was debating between two scriptures and uh, our young adult pastor, Chase Durkin, sent me a dream yesterday morning. And he said uh, that I was driving a car and I was going from I-30 to Interstate 55 or I-55. And little did he know that this scripture has been feeding me personally. You can see in my own Bible, you see that? I have just torn this chapter apart. I feel like it has been... Uh, a daily source for me, and I feel like it is a, it is a source for us as um, a community. So I want to read the first couple of verses and, uh, <clears throat> and hopefully encourage you uh, and where you're at. So Isaiah 55 verse 1, um, hey there, or ho, everyone say ho. So whenever you see, so hear someone say ho, that's where this is from. Uh, oh, everyone, everyone who thirsts, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine, come buy milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? and your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Uh, so this starts out as this invitation. It's an invitation to the thirsty and an invitation to the hungry. Now, I think contextually understanding where this invitation is in the broader context of Isaiah is important. Uh, Isaiah chapters one through 39 are Isaiah prophesying a pending judgment. Um, and and an exile that would come to the uh, Israelites. And it ends, chapter 39 ends with them going into captivity. And then chapters 40 through 55, so this is the last chapter, 40 through 55 are called the comfort passages. It's actually the second section of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is broken up into three books or three sections made up. It makes up the whole of Isaiah. And so 40 through 55 are post-exile chapters that are to encourage those that are returning from captivity. Some actually think that some of Isaiah's disciples wrote these texts. Now, why is that important for us? Because it's prophetic of the coming Messiah. 
in the post uh, exile, Isaiah 53 prophesies of a coming savior. So these texts would have been known and memorized by uh, the Jewish people for centuries waiting for the coming Messiah. And Isaiah 53 is that Messiah, which we know would be Jesus. Jesus fulfilled Isaiah chapter 53. And so after Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54 and 55 are God uh, instructing those that have been in exile, those that needed deliverance, and they've received it. And Isaiah 54 starts out, saying, shout for joy, O barren one. It's someone that's been barren. It's someone that has uh, been unfruitful. Actually, in Isaiah 54, it is a person um, who's been barren, desolate, unsettled, humiliated, disgraced, shamed, widow, and forsaken. It's someone who has not seen the arm and hand of God, and God is telling them, I'm about to do something that you have not seen. I'm setting you up, as only I can. And he's saying, you're going to be married. You're going to see my faithfulness. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to be comforted. Your tent is about to expand and your house is going to be fulfilled. So it's Isaiah 55. That's the first practical instruction in how he's going to fulfill that. Isaiah 55 verse one. And the way that he's going to fulfill it is by feeding them. He says, listen, Come to me and eat and drink from my hand. I'm going to give you what only I can. You've been thirsty, you've been hungry, and now I'm about to source you, and I'm about to feed you in ways that only uh, I can. Uh, this, this is actually such an interesting uh, invitation. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says this about this chapter. He says, oh, the condescension of God, that he should, as it were, become a beggar to his own creature and stoop down from the magnificence of his glory to cry, ho, oh, come, eat, to foolish and ungrateful men. But our God is so benevolent and tender and kind. And he says to those who were hungry, to those who were thirsty, come and receive from me what only you can. So he says, come, you who thirst, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy. Isn't it interesting that, that, that he says, you have no money, but come and buy from me. Come and buy wine, come and buy milk without money and without cost. So he's saying that, that, that there's nothing you can give me in exchange for what I'm going to give to you, but it is... Uh, it did come at a price. It, it, it does come at some cost, but the cost isn't monetarily. The cost is you surrendering. The cost is you uh, trusting me. The cost is you submitting your reasoning, submitting your strength, and positioning yourself and need to receive from me what only you can. Does this make sense? You can't earn what I'm going to give you. What positions you to receive from me what only you can is a posture of humility and need. It's blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the weak, blessed are those that realize they have not. 
Blessed are the dependent. Blessed are those that don't trust in their own strength. Blessed are those that walk by faith, not by sight. Blessed are those that yield. Blessed are those that, that, that humble themselves before me. Blessed are those that approach me like little children. Blessed are those that realize they're naked, realize their need, realize their dependence. Blessed are those. Our culture does not celebrate what God celebrates. God celebrates dependence. God celebrates brokenness. God's looking for a limp this morning. God's looking for those that don't have it put together. He's looking for those that will realize he is their source. He's all they, they have. That's Isaiah 55. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the broken. Blessed are the poor. He says, come and drink. And he lists three things. He says, come and drink water. Come and drink wine. Come and drink milk. Come and drink water. Come and drink wine. Come and drink milk. Water sustains you. Milk matures and grows you. Wine intoxicates you. Thank God for the diversity of his food. Then he says, come and eat bread. Jesus said that his bread uh, was to do the will of the one who sent him to fulfill his purposes. Isn't it interesting that as we eat, we can see. As we eat, we actually gain strength to move in the purposes of God. Uh, so how does this happen? How does the Lord speak to us? I've been reflecting on this a little bit personally just as I fed myself from this. And uh, I, I think of Psalms uh, 119 verses 105. And it's a famous verse that you're aware of because Amy Grant sang this verse. It's thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my what? Can you hear her singing it? Now, you're like, well, what does this have to do with eating and drinking? Well, it has everything to do with eating and drinking because in Isaiah's exhortation, he says, you who are thirsty, you who are hungry, come and eat, come and drink. And he says, incline your ear to me. Listen carefully. That spiritually, uh, our appetite is satisfied through our ear. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And... We're fed through the voice of the Lord. And according to this psalm, thy word being a lamp and a light, uh, let's dissect this a little bit. A lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So uh, the word of the Lord illuminates what's ahead of you. The word of God, it, it, it is a light for us spiritually to see what we could not see prior to hearing. So it gives us eyes to see into the future, but, but it, 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 it's, there's two dimensions here. There's, there's a path dimension and a foot dimension. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, I think, I think the path is what's on down the road. The path is what's on the horizon. I call these horizon words. And then there's also feet words. What are feet words? Feet words are very practical words of things that we do in the here and the now. So oftentimes a horizon word comes first. What's a horizon word? I watch it happen all the time in here, specifically tonight. 
The gospel will go forth. People get born again. God encounters a heart. And then he immediately starts revealing the purpose and destiny of a life. Do you know that he created you with purpose? You have purpose today. Before the eyes of God, he created you with intent. He created your design, your personality with a purpose. And it's for his glory. But that, that purpose is something you cannot accomplish on your own. So here's how that plays out practically in this room. is someone comes, they're confused, struggling, not walking with God, and God encounters them. And all of a sudden, they get this glimpse of who he is, who they are in his eyes, and what he's called them to do which oftentimes it's like to go to the nations, to be a revivalist, you know, to make millions of dollars. And so they come up and they're just like a lightning rod, like, oh my God, do you know what God has shown me? He's shown me that I'm going to the nations. That's amazing. I, I love that. No, 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 I'm going to the nations. I've seen it. And so they're, they're so in awe of what God has shown them And I believe it with all my heart, it's a horizon words, but horizon words oftentimes take decades to fulfill. You know those things God shows you and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna get from here to there? Well, do you know how you're gonna get here from there? It's that his word is also a light unto your feet. And there's practical steps that you begin to take to get you to what he's spoken about on the horizon. And many times it's like, oh my God, I'm gonna be revivalist, I'm going into the nations. Lord, how am I gonna get from here to there? Buy a plane ticket? And the Lord's like, no. I want you to sign up for children's ministry. Wait, 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 that's not what you said. You said I'm going to the nations to be a revivalist. I know that, but I'm asking you, to simply be obedient and faithful, to show up at 8.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings and serve families. Whoa, no, 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 that's not what you told me. You told me I'm going to the nations. You told me I'm gonna be a revivalist. And it's like, I know what I told you. And so now that I told you that, I'm leading you into this. But God, that's not how I thought this would play out. I know. Why? Because Isaiah 55 later on says, your thoughts are actually not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways. For my ways are higher and my thoughts are higher. And as we're faithful to go, I'm going to the nations, but right now I'm gonna serve the one that's in front of me all of a sudden our mind starts to get renewed to know his thoughts and our ways start to be renewed to know his ways. Because the leadership of the Lord is more like a river than it is a straight line, a flow chart of sorts. The Lord's strategies are so different than ours. And his word, it feeds us. His word, it nurtures us daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And it's daily obedience. It's small steps of obedience that actually position us to fulfill the impossible. And that's where Isaiah 55 is going. He says, I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna feed you bread. I'm gonna gonna quench your thirst with water, wine, and milk as you listen to me and you delight yourself in abundance. 
as you incline your ear to me, as you listen that you may live. He then talks about David and the covenant that he made with David. He reflects on God's faithfulness to the life of David in light of what he's inviting the people in Isaiah 55 into. He talks about God's everlasting covenant with him, his faithful mercy shown to David. And then I think verse four is so, uh, such an odd verse to put in this exhortation of eating and drinking, inclining your ear. But in verse five, he says, behold, you will call a nation you do not know. And a nation which knows you not will run to you. See this. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know. And a nation which knows you not will run to you. So you don't know them and they don't know you. But even though you don't know them and they don't know you, you're going to call to them and they're going to run to you. This verse makes no sense, but it says, because of the Lord your God, because I called you to go to them, when you call to them because of me, they're actually going to run to you in order to know me, even though they don't know you. Isn't this so like the Lord? for he has glorified you. I, I, you know, I know that this verse is actually talking, there's a number of layers to verse five. Uh, one of the layers is, is, is Jesus himself, that Jesus being a Jew would call the nations uh, into covenant. Um, we, we see this play out in, in, in Zechariah uh, chapter eight. It's a prophecy uh, about Jesus. Can you put up Zechariah eight uh, verse 20? Thus says the Lord of hosts, it will, listen to this in light of Isaiah 55, 5. Uh, it, it will yet be that the peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. This is after they've been fasting earlier, it precedes fasting. Keep going, verse 21. The inhabitants of one will go to another saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go, keep going. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. Why are the nations flocking to these people? Because God is with them. Where God is, men flock to. <laughs> this is Isaiah 55. You're gonna call a nation that you do not know and a nation that does not know you will run to you. Why? Jesus is the desire of the nations and the nations are actually his inheritance. Now, why am I saying all this in light of Isaiah 55 in light of where the upper room is? Because I've seen this play out in, in just a small fashion in our midst. I've watched upper room as the Lord has moved upon our body, I've watched the nations come into this room. We just spoke of someone in England that sent their kid here to bring an offering to us a week in advance of our advance day. Tell me that's not a sign and a wonder. 
Why are they doing that? Because they're acknowledging God's purposes and God's plans through this body. Well, how did his purposes and his plans come? They simply came from us eating and drinking. It's just us eating and drinking. As we eat and as we drink, all of a sudden these purposes ensue that far exceed our purview and our plans. We have no idea that there's someone in England drinking from this well who's encouraged and God's now gonna move in England because of what he's doing in this room. That does not make sense. But it does according to his economics. It does according to his grace. His ways are not our ways. And as we're at this precipice of like, oh my gosh, we have to raise millions of dollars, millions to get into this new property. And I'm like, Lord, I'm leading a bunch of young millennial Gen Zers who are baristas. And you're calling us into the cedars? You've brought this world-class architect to design like a, a, a building of this caliber? And then you got supply chain and inf inflation issues and the price just keeps going up? What? Son, eat. Son, drink. Ah. No, eat. Drink. <laughs> I've set you up. I've set you up. You're going to call a people you do not know and a people that do not know you when they hear your words, because of what you've inclined your ear to, they're going to run. Why? Because I'm with you. Because I'm with you. Because I'm with you. I think of South Dallas. I think of the divide. You know, segregation, that legislation was passed, I think, in the early 70s, but make no mistake, it's alive and well in our city. Just stroll through about a mile south of our new building. Not many of us go into those neighborhoods. But this is our next call. It's to set a table. Dallas, come and eat. Come and drink. Dallas, come and eat. Come and drink. Why? Because Emmanuel, God is here. Not a preacher. Not a worship leader. Not a strategy. Just a table. A room. A room, a geographical location where God's found a home. What are we going to do? We're going to feast on him. What are we going to do? We're going to eat from his hand. What are we going to do? We're going to listen and incline our ear. What does the future hold? I don't know, but I know who's leading us.
This isn't about a building. This isn't about a form and structure. This is about the substance. This is about the one who's leading us. This is about a cloud by day and fire by night. This is about the black community in South Dallas. This is about the Latino community just west of our new building. This is about the affluent in Highland Park. This is about a bridge that's being built where young and old, black and white, Latino, those that don't speak English, those that do, the foreigner, the immigrant, the illegal alien, the politician, the Democrat, the Republican, the saved, those that have no idea who God is, the homosexual, the transvestite, the drag queen, we've seen them all, come and eat, come and drink. That's what this is about. But it takes all of us. Lord, feed me. Lord, I wanna hear from you. Lord, we're in a dry and weary land. We need your leadership. We need what only we can find at your table. That's the only way we're gonna get here. Amen. It's you listening and obeying. It's you saying, Lord, here's my five loaves and two fishes. Lord, I'm a part of something bigger and I just wanna do my part that he finds a yes in all of our hearts. That's all he's looking for. That's all Isaiah 55 is. He's just going, would you come to me? Bring me your appetite. Take off the religious garments. Take off your offenses. Come bare and broken. And let me give you what only I can. It's the gospel message, Isaiah 55. Upper room, we're not going to get more sophisticated. This isn't about us becoming prettier or chicer or more hip, more relevant. This is about us being obedient. And I think things are actually going to get much more messy. You're like, what? I know. He's the Messiah of our mess. Dallas doesn't need another pretty church. And he's a hungry people. It's a dangerous thing to stand between hunger and heaven. Let me say that again. It's a dangerous thing to stand between hunger and heaven. If I'm going to lead one thing in this room, it's going to be hungry people. And Isaiah 55, bring your hunger to me. Bring your thirst to me. Because I'm ready to feed you and I'm ready to pour my spirit out. It's interesting, Isaiah 54, uh, the last verse before the invitation. It's a famous verse. Before he says, oh, the verse prior to that is this No weapon formed against you shall prosper, every accusing tongue you will condemn. Meaning, accusation always precedes the meal. <laughs> if you're being accused, it's trying to stifle your appetite. 
How would it stifle your appetite? It would redirect your ear. And you start listening to another source. And the word of God breaks off accusation. But upper room, I want to be a people that go into a nation that we do not know. And I want to watch a nation that knows us not run to Jesus because of the Lord's purposes. And I've seen that happen in this room. I'm going to end with this. Do you know how many families, this is a supernatural thing that I've never acknowledged on a weekend, but one of the supernatural occurrences that's happening in this room are people that have sold homes, quit jobs, and sacrificially responded to the voice of the Lord to come to Dallas to be a part of this family. People that we did not know and people that did not know us are in this room today because of the Lord. Let me say that again. People we do not know and people that did not know us left homes, left families, left friends, left jobs to follow the voice of the Lord to come and be a part of this community. I think of Michael and Judy Yu. I see they're here today. The Yu's moved here from California. Is Mike here? What's up, Mike? Where are you? Where's Judy? Oh, he's holding the baby back there. What's up? They moved here from California, and now they have a Texan right there in your arms. Come on. <laughs> but he's a wealth manager at Wells Fargo, and Judy was a registered nurse, mom. They started watching during uh, uh, quarantine and uh, started doing online stuff and visited here several times. And they wrote this. Uh, Mike wrote me this this week. Uh, it gripped our hearts to see the UR family continuing to press into the one thing hosting the presence of God, the unwavering commitment to did he come, did he stay, did we host him well? We visited in April, May, and June of 2021 and the Lord opened doors, spoke and moved us here by August with our three kids. We left family, friends, and the life we knew to be in his presence, surrounded by hungry people, giving it all to chase after him and we do it all over again in a heartbeat. It's that that provokes my faith. It's Jehoshaphat, whom gave the advance. He's now my assistant, but he came here from New Jersey after streaming us online. Uh, him and Michelle uh, moved here. Jehoshaphat, you may not know this, but he's an army veteran. He was a part of the 13th Bravo Canyon. He was a crew member. He worked in heavy artillery. Came as a student. They were watching UR during the pandemic. And... They were on staff at their house of prayer, but felt led to lay down everything and come to Dallas to build a, a resting place for the Lord. I think of Victor and Carla Acero, are the, the Aceros here? He may be translating our Spanish next door, but they just moved here in January from LA. At the beginning uh, of the year, they had two teenagers who attended YouthX last year, got rocked, but Victor was a, is a successful businessman and entrepreneur. They were extremely involved with their church, House of Lights in LA. Carla is an intercessor, capital I, intercessor. And they were called to Texas because of God. He called them to the UR. Uh, Victor's brought a wealth of wisdom 
to the Spanish initiative that we're currently doing, a blessing to anyone that meets them. And Carla cooks one of the meanest pasoles you've ever had. You guys don't know about pasole, do you? I think of Kevin Tips. I mentioned him last night. I'm, I met Kevin 12 years ago, the first time he walked into the upper room. He was searching, he was looking. You mentioned that someone at North Park, is that what you said, told you about this place and then it happened to shake hands with you and then you joined our residency program shortly after that. You went from being a part of the residency program to running the residency program to now wearing every hat you can possibly wear at the upper room. You met Bethany. Now I have a little boy, Ellis, who's my son's best friend. I could go on and on about uh, Aaron and Jessica Martin moved here. The Martins here. They moved here for USM. I think of uh, Eugene and Ivy as well, the U friends. Um, David and Kaylee Ackerman are back there. Came from uh, Illinois. And uh, I just, the, the families are crazy who God's bringing here. Why am I saying all this? Because there's more to come. Why am I saying this? Because yesterday's obedience opened up the door for families to see what God's doing. And I believe we're at another juncture where the Lord's looking for our little yes in order for a people that do not know him and do not know us, but they're going to know him and they're going to know us because of this season. And it's our job simply to be obedient. I, I listed off to the number of marriages that have happened in this room. There's so much that takes place through a collective yes. It impacts generations. And that's one thing I think about Advanced Day next year. This next week isn't necessarily about money, but it is about an offering to the Lord. It is about us pledging to say yes to what he's calling us to say yes to for the future families that will move here. Are you with me? So let's this week, let's spend time praying. Will you just commit to this? Will you spend time praying about how you're to personally respond to next week's advanced day. We're gonna have a cool, holy, sacred morning where we're gonna worship the Lord and we're gonna bring our pledges and our offerings. We're asking two questions. What can you give next Sunday? And then what can you give uh, to the end of the year? And so I just want to humbly, with fear of the Lord, ask you to submit your heart and just say, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? Leader, lead in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Amen. You can be standing. So... Uh, our ministry team's here. They're going to come forward. And uh, I want to invite you, if you need a word from the Lord, that word is a lamp light. These guys, y'all, come on up. These guys are uh, trained ninjas in the spirit. Uh, you guys can come up, receive prayer from them. If you need healing, whatever you need, um, they're available to you. God bless you. Thanks for coming to the upper room. Meet a family. Go by the connect table. We'll see you next week.